Welcome to the Dash Podcast, episode number 41, Working with Millennials. This is one of my favorite topics to speak on when I'm traveling or, or working with different people from news stations, educators, managers, leaders, teams. And it's one that in this particular instance, we got to share with the Rotary Club. And they really enjoyed the conversation. Rotary is an older crowd, an older generation. And so working with millennials is talking about five key principles to understanding millennials in the workplace. We are now over 50% of the workforce. That's as of 2015. There's over 150 million people between the ages of 18 and 36. And the generation below us, the Z generation, the cloud generation is also what they're called, the homeland generation, they are even bigger than that. So there's a gap that's being bridged right now with this millennial generation where the only people that have grown up opening dictionaries and reading books and are also completely fluent in technology. There's no other generation that has both of those capacities put in one and we have not So I hope you check out this Working With Millennials episode and you're able to take away some things from it. There's some Q&A at the end from members of the audience, so it'll be a good time. Hope you enjoy. This is The Dash. Working with millennials is something that I actually came up with with Mr. Richard Puffer. The first time I met him or so, we were meeting and he just, he's always throwing ideas out to me, too many to keep up with. But this is one that I, I caught. I caught this idea, I held on to it and, and thought it would be helpful. I do work at the governor's school, so I see JB and Mr. Ernie Boyd over here. So they've never actually seen me in this light, so that's kind of weird. I work at the governor's school with our kids who are actually Generation Z. So that's how fast the next group is coming in. But what I do with this is go to different places, WMFB and Myrtle Beach and Clemson. They have some outreach sites where they work with youth. I go to them and talk to managers on how to work with their millennial employees and vice versa. So it's, it's been very fun. I've done it a few times and I thought it was going to be shorter, but it's actually very interactive. I have some case studies in here. I have some different videos that we use and stuff. So it's a really fun workshop to do and it's good for both the, the employees and the managers. So, I'm excited to get into working with millennials. A few generic, uh, it would be specific to your business, but a few learning objectives I would have is to simply understand the millennial mindset. I think it's right now we're the largest generation, soon to be taken over by our government school students, they're about to take over the world. But there's a different mindset that comes with these people. I've grown up with instant gratification all my life. I have a phone in my pocket and every time it rings, dopamine squirts in my head and I get these pleasure inhibitors. So instead of it being uh, a girlfriend or the girl of my dreams calling, it's my boss. So with things like that, the role of a manager at work changes. The role of leaders change, the responsibility of us individuals, because I'm a manager now, it changes. There are certain things that we are almost obligated to provide to the people that work for us. Because it's not just about me and my job and the work and the profit, but what are we doing for the people? We see the world in some ways, you can find a way that there's something wrong with it. So it's up to us to make it better, if you will. I'm gonna ask you guys too though, what do you know about millennials? Or what are your perceptions about people like me? You don't have to be nice. <laughs> yes. Um, instant gratification, they want things immediate, mm -hmm. like your vacations. Anybody else? Yes. 
I notice getting upset if they take on a task I'm not able to complete, and I run into this a couple times where they felt like they should have a little more guidance, or my attitude is, live and learn, and this is how you learn to suck it up. I've used that language with my students before. <laughs> And how many of these things, those are all good, how many of these do you think you've dealt with or somebody would have said about you in your younger age as well? Somebody said the same type of thing about you? Maybe. I know we have, it's, it's a lot easier to notice now because we have things that you can see that are all tangible. We have different ways before you have the, the radio dials, phones, and they go back and stuff to do that. But there, there's different things about us that, that kind of impact. So here is, this is Josephine Lee right here, actually. And here's some of the students I work with at the Governor's School. This is back in college when I started to um, Talawanda Middle School. And here with, with Cypress Adventures, that's here in Hartsville. And that's at Hartsville High, too, in the middle. So there's, my thing is all about how we can help people move forward, how we can help people find their purpose. And I, I realize that there's a, we all have a different role, first of all, in doing that. I like to talk, so this is a vehicle to help people. And with that, I noticed that they can't do it by themselves. They need help. One of my coaches in college used to always tell me, you don't know what you don't know. And so for these young folks, who I, I didn't make cell phones, I didn't create participation awards, I, don't, I didn't create any of the things that I'm using and that causes so much stress to the people adulting me. I didn't make those things, the people before me. Generation X did, and gener the baby boomers did those. So we need help to figure out how to form deep, meaningful relationships. Because I don't have to go into a bar and talk to a people anymore. I can pull up an app and swipe right. We need help to communicate. <laughs> we need help building skills. We need help learning business. We need help doing all kinds of things. People don't play outside anymore. So there's, there's some empathy that goes along with it, and then there's some also get over yourself and move forward going on with it. So here's just a quick breakdown of generations. The baby boomers are the, from the 46 to 64, at one point this was the largest in the country because everybody was having babies with the war. And when they came back, now they're starting to decline rapidly because people are getting much older now. And the lost generation, Gen X, this would be my parents, between 35 and 50, 65.8, this is a much smaller generation because the time frame was only 16 years. The baby boomers were like two parts and it was over 20 years. The Generation X is just there. That's where participation awards started, and that's where the self-esteem initiative came from. When you go into schools and you tell students how good they are, and that's going to help their self-efficacy, and we see that that backfired. And then you have the millions of Gen Y, who is now the largest in the workforce, and we're the largest generation, period. So upcoming, again, in a few years, it's going to be Generation Z. But this isn't working with millennials. Marriage rates, I put this up here too, because this is important. This is important. 26% of millennials are married by age 30, as opposed to Generation X at 36%, and baby boomers at 48%. So everything is different. Everything is different. It, this is the entrepreneurial boom. This is, everything is easy. Resources are at my fingertips. Everything is available. So it's, the, the role that we have at work doesn't quite work the same. So the five steps that I've kind of come up with, that I have come up with, is support, 
autonomy, patience, fun, and giving back. I like to start with principle because that's one thing. Experience is amazing. I think with Agni and Dingo talked about the power of experience. Experience is something that you can't trade, you can't give to anybody. If you ever try to give wisdom to a fool, you end up looking foolish yourself. Because you can lead a horse to water, but you cannot make them drink it. The principle, however, can be transferred. I can learn that every decision counts. I can learn if I put my hand on the stove, it's going to get burnt. I can learn the principles, and that's something that you have and I don't. There's a lot of things that you know that I don't, but all I need to do is know the principles. And one of the things, number two, that my coach talked about is something that I've adopted today. In every situation, especially the times when I'm wrong, I point the thumb right. <coughs> That's so crucial. As a manager, and I might get to this later, but I'll go ahead and bring it now. I have two college students that I supervise at Coker, and we had a quarter report due. This was the first semester or the first quarter of the new year, and I told them what their expectations were. I told them what to do week to week. I told them their expectations of the whole, and the new day came, and I had nothing. And I'm, I was about to go off on them, I was about to snap on them, and I was like, what, what happened? Because one of them was late, and one of them had nothing to add to it. So it was just a whole, it was jacked up. They, they both kind of made me mad. But I went back, and I looked at myself. If neither one of them did it, I did something wrong. Because I communicated to you everything that I was supposed to, I did everything I was supposed to, so how can I make this easier for you? I understand that I kind of already spoon-fed it to you, but let me get into your way that you can, for one, understand, and two, that you want to complete. Thumb point. I could have looked at them and cussed them out and, and fired, probably not fired them, but <laughs> did some other things to them, but instead I looked at myself and I made a different schedule for them to work on and just something so they have, they can see the dates that they're using, to see the dates that they're due, and have a piece of paper so they can look at it and make it simple as possible. Point the thumb. That's why I did it. And lastly is why. Why do you do what you do? Nobody wakes up to be told what to do. Nobody gets out of bed to be managed. That doesn't even sound fun. And y'all are a fun group. It's exciting to be in here. People wake up to get led. They don't wake up to get managed. They wake up to get led. So support, leading versus managing. This was back in November of 2014. You might not be able to read it. It says, Dear Mr. Clifton, I have two names. Thank you for your interest in the district manager position at Audi Incorporated. The time you spent viewing was appreciated. Your qualifications are significant. However, I will not be pursuing your resume further. It's a pleasure meeting you, and I wish you the best of luck in your employment search. Ouch. That was the first time that somebody told me nothing. And it did not feel good, it did not make sense. As a young person, I went all through high school, all through college, I got everything that I wanted. But when I got to college, I was an all-star football player. I was all-state, I was all-conference, I was all-big-headed. And once I got to school, I got shut down real quick. My head shrunk back to size, I got hurt, I got ran over, I got beat up by strong men with beards that I now have. <laughs> they were holding me very strongly, and I struggled so long to make it up this path. And at this time, this is when I had my most success on the field. This is like a week before my first game, and my goal was to, first of all, forego my fifth year of football, kind of shoving in my coach's face for not playing in the first two or three years, and finally playing that fourth year, and then go off, yeah, I got this $80,000 job with a company car that's going to pay for my gas, and I'm going to spend my last 16 weeks in Europe studying abroad. Instead, I come out of the weight room to this email. 
And I sat there and I cried and I was like, man, what am I gonna do? I ain't got no job. I don't know what I'm gonna do. This is so bad. This is the worst thing that ever happened. I walked into my coach's office and I told him what happened. He just laughed at me. <laughs> he just laughed at me. He said, Trey, this is the first time that you've been told no. You know how many times I've been fired? <laughs> you think this is the worst thing that's gonna happen to you? Like, this is just the first time that you've been told no. I, I guess that's right. And my brother, I called him. He said, Trey, you haven't even graduated school yet. What do you mean you don't have a job? That, that's all right. And so, but that, that support that I got from them was so much different than what I had the first two or three years of college. Because before that, it was, Trey, you're never going to play. Trey, you're never going to touch the field. Here I am now as a senior and a valuable senior at this place. And I go to him to tell him I'm leaving, and he still provides me support. He still gave me something that was leading me because he wanted me to be better and discover my growth and potential outside of football as much as it was as valuable inside of football. So I want to work at a place with purpose. It doesn't make sense for me to wake up every day and struggle to get out of bed. If I'm not getting pushed out of bed or pulled out of bed, if I have to get pushed as a problem. If I'm not happy going into my job every day, if you're not happy going into your job every day, that's a problem. It's a right to love your work. It's a right to go into work and have a place where you feel comfortable and that you can have a great environment. But that's the minimum. I want to be able to make an impact, but we just don't know how. So the support is how can I find a way to, to make you the best that you can be and not get on my nerves? That's almost what it comes down to. How can we progress to a point where you can maximize your potential and we can maximize how we are going to make this the best experience as possible and still be able to be productive and efficient and consistent. That's how we provide that support, and how we need to gain that support. Second is patience. And I'll go over this one quickly because we already talked about it a little bit. How not to manage. How many have ever been taught how to lead people? How many people do lead people? There's a difference in managing and ordering the tasks and keeping those in order and managing people. People are different. Every person is different. So there, there's different ways that you manage. There's a story, Simon Sinek is big on this millennial ordeal. He kind of started and even got me started in some of it. But he talks about how there was this one barista. He worked at a Las Vegas casino and he worked at Starbucks. And when he worked at the Las Vegas casino, he hated his job. He got bad tips. His managers didn't like him. He was a bad employee. He was in bad standing. At Starbucks, they loved him. He was the employee of the month. He did everything he was supposed to do, and they couldn't figure out what the discrepancy was between it. And it was the way that his managers were talking to him. It was the way that the people above him were treating him. That had everything to do with the way that he felt in his environment. And it goes both ways. So while I'm talking from the younger person's perspective to the upper-level managers, to my CFO, uh, Literally, that's, that's the, it goes both ways. So it's just as much as I should feel comfortable as an incoming worker, new to the workforce, you should feel as comfortable to not just help me get forward, but to lead me into somewhere better. Um, I think we get caught up a lot in, in wanting to be better or feeling like we can't share the experience that we have or the knowledge and time that we have in that profession. This was some of the uh, group reports. And this, so going along with that with the patients, these are the top five things that millennials want at a job, according to IBM in 2014. 
to be able to make a difference at work, have an impact on the organization, help solve and social and environmental challenges, work with diverse people, and do passionate work. Does that sound like some of the people you work with? Does anybody work with somebody here? No? Yes? I see some hands, I'm sorry. Okay, a few, a few. Don't be shy, I don't like they, um, these are the top five things, so I, it's hard to see that, but it's, it's me that brings it out of my employees. It's the manager who's able to get that out of them and see the both perspectives. Number three is autonomy. Autonomy is interesting because it's usually an individual word, but for millennials, it's the autonomy to work together. 74% of millennials prefer working in groups. And that's weird because I had a group project in every class in college, and I hated this about all of them. But in the workplace, people prefer to do what they're good at. I want to do what I do best. If I can be a professional speaker, I'm not good at graphic design. Maybe I shouldn't do that. I don't know how to talk. I don't know how to run the <coughs> I don't know how to put something together. Maybe I can't even write. Maybe somebody writes it for me, somebody puts together my presentation, and I speak. Now we win. I have the autonomy to create the presentation, Somebody else has the autonomy, autonomy to write it, and somebody else has the autonomy to put it out together. Yes? I also have read that uh, millennials prefer not to have the structure of the actual uh, separate offices in one big group in your room. And I think that's also why Sunoco down in their, um, their lab now, because it is mostly millennials, so I was mm -hmm. in there. They actually ripped all everything down, and now they just have desks everywhere. So everybody just is yelling back and forth and talking, and it's really special. <laughs> But it works. It, it does. Works. Some, some, some really great ideas. And so, and that's a phenomenal piece. And we'll, we'll get to some more of that too. The work nine to five doesn't make sense anymore. I have access to everything all the time. It doesn't make sense for me to be in a cubicle for eight hours a day when I can go home and have access to the same thing. Forty-hour work week. They, those, those are some of the things that are. They worked in 1960. They worked in 1970. They worked in 2012. They don't work today or they're not going to work tomorrow. Those are things that shift. I live while I work, as a matter of fact. I live while I work, and I'm, I'm working all the time. And that's actually one of the coolest parts about it, because that work-life balance is something that I don't have to worry about. It's something that a millennial generation doesn't want to worry about. It's not something that exists. In fact, there are studies that show that most millennials would prefer a job where they can get a pay raise. They'd rather stay in a place where they have more freedom. They want to stay at a place where they can go. And if, I, if my work is a financial advisor and my hobby is the Tour de France, I need to find a financial advisor position where I can do both. Because that's the world we have. I have instant gratification. Everything I want, I get, right? But that's the truth. That's for all of us. That's what we're able to do with the support and the life that we have now. Y'all have any more questions? Two more. And we actually just talked about this. Fun. Fun. That's fun. You talk about Sunoco, that is fun. I've been to that place at Sunoco, and it looks amazing. It looks like a great time. It, it make, makes those creative juices. It makes things flow. It, it's the balance that we have in work and life doesn't exist. I guess I did cut this, really. Um, and not falling for the trap. So many times you hear Les Brown say you, you get a job to pay your bills, and at the same year, 75 times, you call it life. That's getting much, much, much harder now. There's an opportunity to have a new career every five or 10 years. The access to so many things that we have and the advance of technology that has been created before us allows us to keep on switching. And that's why I need to do what I do best. 
Not our fault. Oh, Andre Atkinson. This is a good example. Andre Atkinson is one of the best tennis players in the world, and he was back in his time. But he did this from the time he was a child all the way up to he became number one in the world. And when he got to the top, he lost his drive because he hated tennis. He had did all these workouts, all these training sessions. He had worked so hard his whole life to become a tennis champion. And after he had won the Wimbledon or the Grand Slam, something like that, he kind of went on a hiatus. And he left, and he was like, I'm not playing tennis ever again. But then he found a new purpose for his work. He found a reason that he could do the same job and have a different meaning behind it. The work as a tennis player is a vehicle to his actual purpose in life. And he opened up a school. He opened up a charter school, which was funded by all the money that he made as a tennis player. So the better he did on the court, and the more he pushed himself and drove on the court, the better off the students that he wanted to help could be, because he grew up an orphan, I believe. Something around that nature. It was like that. But that's, that's the power that you have as a manager at work. That's the power that you have as a leader at work, is to give somebody not just a job, not just a paycheck. I don't care about the paycheck that's coming every two weeks. What is the value and the meaning behind my work? That's what's important. The, trap, the average work time for millennials is two years. And this is from 20 years old, I think, to 35. Two years is the longest time that people are used to stand for a job nowadays. As opposed to five for Gen X and seven for baby boomers. What do y'all think about that? Is that weird? Is that surprising? Yeah. That's pretty quick. It's pretty quick. People are recruiting now based on results over degrees. I probably learned more since I've been out of college than I've learned since I've been in it. Because there's there's literally online courses. I'm working on starting a podcast. There's or an online business. You can go online and find a online training course about how to build an online business. That's what there's not it's not it's four thousand dollars. I can learn how to build an online business, or for $500, I can learn how to do these things. That's how easy it is for people to do exactly what it is that corporations are doing. So the corporations will keep a lot of the freedom. Changing time for money isn't a really good idea for people. Focusing on strengths. This is still in fun, and I went on a little tangent. Staying in strengths and talking about fun. We focus on our strengths at workplace. We focus on those the work, the engagement at work increases by, or the, ignores you when your manager ignores you 40% chance of active disengagement. That means I come to work to be at work and that's it. And get nothing done. When my manager ignores me, not say anything. When we focus on weaknesses, Trey, you're doing okay, but you still kind of suck. 22% chance of active disengagement. But when we focus on the strengths, when you can just Say, hey, Trey, it's good to see you today. I've had students come up to me and be excited in their day we made because I said, how are you? Wow, I didn't know that the staff members and the faculty at the medical school cared about it. Nobody asked me how I've been feeling in, in two weeks. That's how simple it can be. That's how simple it can be to walk past one person in the hallway. They don't have to be your, your subordinate. Walk past one person and say, how are you? And that can make somebody better. Last thing is giving back. Uh, really, what it, what it comes down is it's really simple. I've talked a long time to really say when you treat people as people, things get a lot better. The secret to living is giving. When we can add value to life, when we can make a purpose and a reason that's bigger than ourselves to move forward in our business and in our work, we can make a difference. 
everybody that, that I've talked to over the past three weeks or four weeks that are doing great things. I have a friend who just went to the White House with the Cubs. I have a friend who just, Josephine Lee, she won the Toastmasters World Championship and won $80,000 or not won. She was earning $80,000 for a 10% stake in her company on Lifetime's version of Shark Tank. And these people, all they talk about is giving back. Everything they do is about giving back, giving back. And even the young folks, they're looking for ways to give back. The secret we have to living is giving. I see some folks falling asleep, so I'm going to go ahead and cut it short. <laughs> do we have any questions? Yes, sir. And my, my family, my generation above me, raised my generation, and you put it on the hard work. Yeah. No instant gratification. Mm -hmm. You receive what you earn and so forth. My generation, I think, created the anticipation trophies, mm -hmm. instant gratification, you know, everybody's wonderful, so forth. Right. I'm not saying right or wrong. How are you going to raise your kids? Uh, I'm going to be strong with my kids. I, they, they might not have a phone for some time. They don't need to watch TV. They don't need to be Instagratified. They can go outside and play. They can get some blocks. They can get some real things that will make them think and not the screen. society and social norms and whatnot, but I think a two-parent household is always good. That has a lot to do with the participation awards and the self-esteem. Having two parents in the household is vital, and I think providing that, there's actually a book by Carol Dweck about mindset, and in that book she talks about the difference between a growth mindset and a fixed mindset, and part of that is the word that you use with your children. When I grow up and my parent is telling me how smart I am because I got an A, or how this I am because I did this, or how that I am, I'm good because I did a task. The child's self-esteem goes down because it means that I'm only smart or I'm only correct or I'm only right or I'm only good if I do this thing right. But when I give my child credit for the process, when I praise the journey that he took, whether he wins or not, or she wins or not, they'll be able to, they'll want to get out of that box more. Because the more I tell my child they're smart, the more they'll only want to stay in that box because it feels good. When people tell you good things like I'm smart or you're good or you're great or you're pretty or whatever, you want to stay in that box and keep being smart, great, and pretty. But when I give you credit for that process, you keep going. So. That's good. Is there? Yes. How do you address um, the only staying at a job for a few years now? Um, I think that has a lot to do with the environment that you create at work. So, again, what worked last year might not work right now. So, my, and I don't know what business you're in, but what's, what's going to entice, well, first of all, what do I need my employees to do? So, not just the, what is my benefits package, how much am I getting paid, what is my job description, but why, first of all, why do you want to work here? And what do you expect to get from us? And what do you want us to give you? You're talking to me like I'm going for it. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it, I'm saying this Yeah, the millennials want to feel a sense of purpose, mm. but I mean, how quickly 
I'm just wondering what your take on how quickly are, are you, you know, advising that this purpose needs to be revealed and conquered um, in your life? I had a student who I saw him in the study lounge one day doing his homework and I asked him, I could stop him and ask him what he wanted to do with his life. And that matter of fact, the first day that I met all my students, instead of asking them what their name was and where they're from, I said, why are you here? Tell me the real reason why you're here and why you want to work here. So I had whoever wanted to share go around the room and tell me their reason for being there, whether it was wanting to get away from home or a better opportunity at the school, whatever the case was, why do you want to be here? So when things get hard in the basketball season like they are now, or when grades get hard, I can go back and say, what did you say when you first got here? What's the reason that you wanted to be here? And so that helps them ground themselves to look at the decisions that they're making. And then I also ask them to, I lost it. <coughs> but that, that's one piece of Well, um, so what about, I mean, do you think there's any value in working at what some might say is a purposeless job? A purposeless job? I don't like the, for me, no. I'm the one, my, my, my purpose is to help people find their purpose. So that doesn't make sense to me to not have, I don't see, now there's work, I know that there's some people who their purpose is not their work. And that's what we're talking about too. So if I am, uh, I, work, I worked at Sherwin-Williams. Mm -hmm. I worked at Sherwin-Williams selling paint. I don't really like paint, but it allows me the opportunity to do what I need to do in order to be right. a public speaker. So there can be some value in For sure. something, I'm saying, quote, purposeless. Everything can feed into a life. I would purpose. still, if my job can match with my purpose, that would be better. So if the time that I'm spending working with the governor's school, if I leave the governor's school, now I've been working for two years with the same demographic that I plan to speak to, down the road. So no matter what, I have a purpose in my work there at the governor's school. I think the purpose is that the reason for what you do doesn't really matter. How you do it doesn't matter. This is what Simon Sinek says. It's the why. It all, the what and hows, those don't matter. The why doesn't matter. Without a why, there's really not a reason to move out of here. That's it, that's it. Working with millennials, I think this is a message that is crucial to share because we are not just for managers, not just for the leaders in the team, but for millennials. I'm 24 years old. We got 25, 26, 18, 19, however old you are. It's important to understand our role in the workplace as well and to understand the difference in the generations that come before. They really don't get it. They really think there's only one way um, a lot of times, the 9 to 5, the 20 hours at the same job, and that's just not the case anymore. So for both of us, on both sides, both ends of the spectrum, it's important to be aware of what people need, what people are motivated by, and what people are stressed by. That's what working with millennials is all about and how we can succeed and bridge this gap in the workplace. If you got some suggestions for me, please feel free to reach out at TreyGamage.com, SoundCloud, Instagram, Facebook, at Trade Gambage. We'll see you next time. This is The Dash.